Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jaden. You had me worried there that I was preaching from the wrong chapter. Uh, let's pray to God and, and ask for his help as we uh, start this new series in the book of 1 Corinthians. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for this letter that, that Paul wrote to the Corinthians and uh, we pray as we begin to look at it this morning that uh, you would be working in our hearts. Father, please uh, help us to be attentive to what you would say to us uh, and please change us by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I watched a, a movie a while back called uh, Miracle on Ice. Has anyone here seen that movie? Put your hand up. It's about three, not, not many. Well, it's a, it's a film about the uh, US ice hockey team and their quest to defeat the, the Soviet Union and, and win a gold medal at the Winter Olympic Games in 1980. And at the, the start of the film, uh, the team is assembled from across the United States and, and they have zero cohesion. It, it's a train wreck watching them play together. And at one point, the, the, the coach asks the players, who do you play for? And they all answer by saying uh, the names of their respective college teams where they've come from. And it's no surprise that they play like a team who are only kind of concerned for themselves. But later on in the movie, as, as things develop, the, the coach asks the same question, who do you play for? And one guy says, I play for the United States of America. And from that point on, it's as if they have this, this clarity around their identity. They're no longer primarily individuals from, from different backgrounds. They are the United States of America Olympic ice hockey team. Uh, and as three of you may know, they ended up uh, winning the gold medal at the Winter Olympics in New York that year. Uh, it's incredible what can happen when a group of people are, are clear about where their identity lies. Uh, and I think that's something that Paul is aware of as he begins this letter to the church in Corinth. In these first nine verses, Paul reminds the Corinthians about who they are, not just as individuals, but, as, but who they are as a church. He reminds them of who they are and the hope that it will transform the way they live moving forward. Uh, you may know that this letter is Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, and it's 
16 chapters long in our Bibles. It's, it's no small letter. And the length of the letter is reflective of the number of problems that existed within the church at Corinth. But as the letter begins, these first nine verses we're looking at uh, this morning don't really give us much of a hint of what is about to come. Paul seems calm. Everything seems to be in order. And it's a very measured start. Uh, Many positive things are said, and there's no real signs of trouble yet. As Paul writes these initial words, it appears he's writing to a church that has stability. But we'll see very soon that while these initial words don't seem, to, don't seem to be too drastic, there are some big problems within the church. The church in Corinth is one that has seemingly lost its, its core identity. Uh, we he- we'll hear in the coming weeks about division, about sexual immorality, about arrogance and immaturity, about exploitation, corruption, greed, idolatry, drunkenness, uh, lawsuits against Christian brothers and sisters, denials of the plain truths of Scripture. This was a church where where many people thought more highly of themselves than they ought to have. A church that reflected the Corinthian culture in the mid-first century AD. If you know anything about Corinth, you'll you'll know that at the time it was a city that was on the rise. A Roman colony uh, and a place where people went to, to kind of advance socially and politically and in wealth, a city full of ambitious people. And it should seem somewhat surprising that that Paul starts the letter so calmly given all that was taking place in the church. Paul introduces himself in the way we've we've become accustomed to in in many of his letters. He states his name and and the name of his companion. Uh, He tells us who he's writing to. Uh, And there's nothing groundbreaking about that, but Paul gives a a distinctly Christian introduction. He reveals himself as an apostle of Christ Jesus, uh, not a title that he's given himself, but a position that that God has given him. He mentions this guy Sosthenes, a a brother of his in the faith, and notice who he's writing to, to the church of God in Corinth, not not to Paul's church or Apollos' church or whoever's church, not to the church of a particular denomination, It's to God's church. It's not always how we think about our church or other churches, is it? But it's a very good reminder for us that that every church is, first and foremost, God's church. And as Paul begins this important letter to the Corinthians, he reveals three important things about the church that remind them of their core identity. Three foundational things that he wants the Corinthians to remember. And we'll see these things, as, uh, three, these three things as we work our way through the passage. Firstly, they are a holy church. Secondly, they are a gifted church. And finally, they are a waiting church. So firstly, they are a holy church. Uh, verse 2, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy. Uh, and he mentions this idea of, of holiness twice, because to be sanctified is to be made holy and to be made holy basically means to be set apart for God's purposes for his service so he's saying to to those made holy in Christ Jesus and called to be holy Uh, and immediately that that might seem a little bit odd to us Uh, if the church is already holy then, then why are they called to be holy as well well there are two 
parts to their holiness. There's a holiness that is their status in Jesus, a status that every Christian now has, because a Christian is someone who has been made holy, set apart for God. But there's also a holiness that they've been called to kind of live out. It's a holiness that all who call on the name of the Lord are to display. Every Christian living their lives in a way that honours God. Now, one way you could think of it is in terms of uh, friendship. On one hand, you might say you're, you're friends with someone. That's your, your status, your friends. But at the same time, the way that you show that you're friends is by being a friend to them. And both are important. Uh, and when it comes to holiness, the same is true. This is a, a church that is holy, but it's also a church that is to show it is holy. All right, so that's the first thing that Paul mentions, uh, knowing that this is a church struggling to live lives that honour God. And it's a great reminder for each of us this morning. Because if you're a Christian, you're someone who, who Jesus has made holy, and therefore the way you live your life really matters. The way you live your life matters. Maybe that's something you need reminding of uh, here this morning. God, God gave up his son to make you holy. Are you living a holy life that honours him in response? Now we saw this, this call to holiness is something that all Christians are, are called to. Uh, in a world that's increasingly individualistic, this is a, a helpful reminder that the life of a Christian is to be thought of in relation to one another. In a world that tells us just to, to worry about ourselves and, and look out for number one, uh, a Christian is to think of themselves in relation to others. Uh, that's one of the reasons why we gather here on a Sunday every week. We recognise that we're called to pursue holy living together, to spur each other on. And again, maybe that's something that you need to hear when you're tempted to, to pull back from other Christians. The church in Corinth is a, a holy church and, and part of God's global church. Uh, the second thing we learn about the identity of this church is that they are a gifted church. Uh, this is 3 to 7. I think there are two ways they've been gifted. Uh, firstly, they've been gifted uh, Jesus himself. And this is Paul's main point. But God in his kindness has also gifted the church uh, in different ways to help them grow in their relationship with Jesus. We've been given different spiritual gifts for the sake of the church. Now, despite all the troubles that, that existed within this church, Paul is still able to give thanks to God. And, and that's a remarkable thing. Uh, you may know of Christians who are uh, living in sin, seemingly headed further and further away from God. They, they've uh, seemingly given up on the call to live their lives for God. And maybe you've gone through something like that at, at different times yourself. Paul shows us here that if someone is in Jesus, we have, no, uh, we have reason to thank God for them, even when it seems there is very little to thank him for. They have been gifted with the grace of God in Jesus. Uh, it's a reason to be thankful. You, you may have noticed, uh, as Jaden read through the passage, the amount of times that Jesus is mentioned in these nine verses. Uh, I think he's mentioned or, or referred to something like 10 or 11 times, almost in, in every verse if you have a look in your Bibles. And why? Well, here is a church who have seemingly lost their identity, who've forgotten their core business. 
and have forgotten their greatest gift. So any church who shifts its focus away from Jesus will, will quickly find themselves in danger of some of the issues that the church in Corinth was facing. So Paul deliberately reminds them of Jesus time and time again, the one who has made them holy and who is calling them to be holy and the one through whom they have been blessed. He says in verse 5, In him, in Jesus, you have been enriched in every way. And he thanks God for, for two specific ways that are particularly relevant to the Corinthians. They're their speech and their knowledge. Uh, and that's really interesting because uh, later on in the book, in, in chapters 12 to 14, probably some of the most well-known chapters in the letter, it's their speech and their knowledge that are causing division and disorder within the church. But it doesn't stop Paul from thanking God for giving them these gifts in the first place. Gifts that aren't being used rightly, but gifts that have nonetheless been given by God. In verse 6 he says, their testimony about Jesus was confirmed in the Corinthians. And and this verse paints a, a beautiful picture Just as Paul and others had shared about the good news of Jesus and the forgiveness from sin and the new life he brings, he's been fortunate enough to see the effects of this testimony among the Corinthians. They received the good news of the gospel and it changed them. And isn't that a wonderful thing to be able to see? Uh, Look close enough and and you'll see it in the lives of others here this morning. Sometimes in, in subtle ways. The good news of Jesus changes lives. Paul says in in verse 7, they don't lack any spiritual gift. Because the problem in Corinth isn't that God hasn't gifted the church with what they need. The problem is is some Corinthians still think that they're lacking. Uh, Any gift that God does or or doesn't give can cause problems in the church. Uh, Gifts can, can lead to pride. They can lead to envy or jealousy. And any good gift that God gives us people can be misused. Uh, we ourselves can be prideful if, if God has given us particular gifts that we see others don't have. Uh, one of the traps that we can fall into is treasuring these gifts more than we treasure Jesus. It can lead to us overlooking sin when people are particularly gifted or we overlook major character flaws and we don't deal with these issues when they come up. Uh, and I think that's, this is what happens when we, we separate the gift and the giver. And we forget all these gifts are given to the people of God in Jesus. Now Paul tries to make sure that they don't forget all these gifts they've been blessed with have come in Christ. And the same is true of the church of God today. Any good gift that, that a Christian has, that you or I have, is only ours through Jesus. And therefore, it is to be used for Jesus uh, and not for ourselves. Paul's words in in verse 7, pointing out that they don't lack any spiritual gift. He's gently reminding them of that fact now before he goes on to address it more later on. Something we all need to hear at times. In a world that uh, preaches to us and tells us that we're we're lacking in many ways, in, in our appearances, in our possessions, in our achievements, our purposes in life, it's not a huge surprise that churches are increasingly uh, made up of people who feel they too are lacking. I'm not godly enough. I'm not gifted enough. 
I'm not loved by God. I don't know enough. The church today needs to hear Paul's words to the Corinthians. God has gifted you Jesus. You don't lack any spiritual gift. Now, this is reassurance to a church where there is discontentment. And if you're someone who, who feels that kind of discontentment, then, then hear these words of reassurance for the people of God. You have all you need in Jesus. Are you enjoying this great gift? Or are you like the child who, who sees the gift, then looks at what everyone else has, not even taking the time to appreciate what they've been given before going after what they don't have? There's a, there's a satisfaction that Jesus offers that so many miss out on. The more we em- embrace Jesus, the more we come to see that he satisfies in a way that nothing or no one else can. Uh, that's what today's baptism reminded us of. Ollie and Grace wanting Leo to, to share in this gift that, that many of us already enjoy, coming to treasure Jesus more than anything else in this life, to see him in all aspects of life. So we've seen two parts of, of the Corinthians' identity so far. The church in Corinth is a holy church, and the church in Corinth is a gifted church. Now, the third and final thing we see this morning, the church in Corinth is a waiting church. This is 7 to 9. This is a church that is awaiting the return of the Lord Jesus, or at least they should be. Uh, I think these, these verses are among the most telling in regards to uh, what's not happening in, at Corinth. This is a church that has forgotten that heaven awaits them. They've lost sight of God's plan uh, for eternity. And Paul's remedy for this forgetfulness is to remind the Christians up front of what God will do. Verse 8, he will keep them strong to the end. Uh, I remember going to a fair a couple of years ago and, and one of the uh, attractions there was a strength competition. Uh, you paid a couple of dollars and you needed to, to hang off this metal bar for a couple of minutes. And I think it was a, a cash prize of $100 if you lasted the two minutes. Now, it was a, a very thick bar, and for most of us, our hands wouldn't have got close to kind of getting around the whole thing. And you had to have your palms facing away from you, so you, you couldn't kind of cling on to it with the, the whole of your body. And many, many people thought it would be easy to do, but so many got tired and, and slipped off. And I didn't see a, a single person last as I, as I watched on cowardly in the distance. Uh, that, that's, what it, that's what it sometimes feels like, though, in the, in the Christian life. Like, we don't have the strength to make it all the way to the end, to last the distance. And at some point, we'll fall off if we haven't already. But what is the promise here? He will keep you strong to the end. He will keep you strong. Paul reminds the Corinthians that Jesus is their strength. He is the one who will present them blameless when he returns. The one who has called us is the one who is faithful. Uh, Some people here in this room are are very good at getting things done. We like to get things done and, and we like to feel as though we've achieved something, no matter how small it may be. But we're not always good at waiting Uh, I get frustrated at myself with with how impatient I can be at times. 
waiting on others, waiting on God. Now, some of you here will have learned what it means to wait, uh, not by choice. You, you, you've been through hardships and challenges that have really tested your faith. Maybe you're still waiting to see what God will do. Notice how Paul tells the Corinthians to wait in verse 7. He says, wait eagerly. Not in a way that's sort of passive and aloof. We are to wait, actively remembering that God is faithful. Uh, I think many people today have forgotten what faithfulness looks like. uh, Because this is not a world that provides us with much by way of loyalty or or constancy, or or devotion. So faithfulness is is very rare. But that's what makes Christianity so appealing. In a world that can offer very little by way of faithfulness, God shows us what true faithfulness is. He shows us the lengths he will go to to remain faithful to us as his people, uh, even when we have been so unfaithful towards him. So often we choose to go our own way, but God remains faithful. Uh, Before addressing any of the issues in the church in Corinth, Paul is eager to remind the church that they must eagerly wait. They shouldn't settle for the here and now because they're waiting on one who is reliable, one who is faithful, one who will bring to completion the work that he's started in them and who offers us much more than this life ever could. The Corinthians are to be a waiting church. This is who they are in Jesus, a holy church, a gifted church, and a waiting church. What a great reminder for them amidst all their problems. And what a challenge for us here this morning as we think of our own identity as as individuals and as a church, in our holiness, in our giftedness, in our eagerness as we wait for the return of the Lord Jesus. I wonder how God's Spirit might be challenging you this morning in any of those three areas. Is there anything in, in, particular, in particular that he's uh, challenging you to, to change on? Now let me pray that God would continue to work, uh, to continue to do that work of reminding us of our true identity in him and that we would continue to be changed as individuals and as a church as we work our way through the book of 1 Corinthians. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the Lord Jesus. Thank you that we find our identity in him. Father, thank you that you're making us into uh, holy people, that you've gifted us with your Son, uh, and that you've called on us to wait for his return. Please would you strengthen us in in each of those three areas. Uh, Please help us in particular if we're we're struggling in any of those ways. Uh, And Father, please strengthen us uh, to continue to walk closely with Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.